0: been lounging lounging with skip <laughs> you been lounging, bah, bah, lounging with skip. Oh, yeah. yo 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 what's going on everybody i welcome you all to another episode of lounging with skip where i talk to different people in the entertainment industry um whether it's music acting tv film just to find out a little bit of something about what they went through to get to where they are and their journey and how they got there. To inspire others, those who have a particular interest in that field of work and to let you know to keep going. So I'm sitting here with a young lady, representing St. Louis. Mm Um. We met back in, what was it, oh
1: probably
0: 04. Or 05. 04-05, um, doing marketing and promotion with a company called Shrewd. And this woman has been on the move ever since in the music uh, entertainment industry in general. And she's worked her way up to um,
1: senior director.
0: Senior director of A&R at Warner Chapel Music. I want to welcome Brandra Ringo to lounging with Skip.
1: Thank you. Hey, Skip.
0: What's going on? (laughs) So, um, just to kind of get a little background, um, where are you from?
1: So, I'm from St. Louis, Mm -hmm. Missouri. Um, I don't know how many listeners you have that are from St. Louis, but I grew up in the Normandy and Hazelwood Florissant District Mm. for the most part.
0: So you went to grade school, and
1: so for grade school, I went to Belnor. Okay. And then after fourth grade, or fourth grade starting, I was transferred over to Hazelwood. So I went to mm. an elementary school called Kievan. Oh, you went
0: to mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yep, okay. So, so you went there fifth grade.
1: Fourth grade, fourth grade, fifth grade, and sixth, sixth grade. grade, and then Kirby. Wow, yeah, I went to Kirby too. Kirby Junior. to Kirby
0: Junior High,
1: and then after that, I went to Hazelwood Central okay. High School. Okay. So it was good. I mean, I was very athletic there. You ran um, track. Ran track. I was in marching band. Mm. Um, in a lot of just extracurricular activities. Mm. And even after that, I was like, you know, taking vocal lessons. Mm. Piano lessons. So you always
0: had an interest in music. Always. Since you were a little kid.
1: Pretty much before I, I could even remember. For real, yeah.
0: So what was like uh, something that um, you know, like a music, like something musical that inspired you as a little kid? The well, like one of the first things that hit me.
1: I don't know, but one of my memories as a kid, and probably because my mom took a picture of it, was in kindergarten. I was in a talent show okay. and I decided to bring a microphone. Mm. You remember those microphone stands? Mm-hmm. And then I sang, but I didn't exactly sing because my mom came and I was embarrassed and I cried. Really? Uh huh.
0: And this was at Keelan?
1: No, this was in kindergarten. So okay. this was, I'm sorry, this is preschool. Ooh. Yeah, this is preschool. So this was like, I went to some school in the city. Okay. Um I can't really remember the name. St. John. Okay. Yeah, it was St. John's Um, and yeah, I basically remember that my mom had a photo of me crying so that was always like a a deep memory for me. What made you
0: want to be in a talent show at that age?
1: I'm not really sure. Probably I was in church, you know, ever since I was born. So I would imagine that that had a a huge impact on my musical influence. Mm. Naturally, I think it's also something that I'm just into. Mm -hmm. As long as I can remember, I've been into music. My mom has always played music around the house. Tina Marie. Um,
0: So, grade school. So, what do you remember, like, any of your first influences musically that you, you know... In grade school. Just one of your first ones that you can even think of. Something that, like... I like that. Okay, I'm not going to give the
1: typical, like, type... Of music, yeah. but in in third grade, I had a teacher at Bill Noor name is Martin, and she played saxophone. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the year, she played. Uh, it's so hard to say goodbye mm-hmm. on saxophone, mm-hmm. and I was so enamored that I was like, I want a saxophone. Really? And so my parents ended up putting me. Did they give me a saxophone immediately? Maybe not. But I ended up playing saxophone in fourth grade because that's when like. The mm. instruments were introduced to the schools, right. and you could rent them. Okay. So I ended up playing sax- alto saxophone at the time. Okay. And it was pretty good. I ended up doing alto saxophone. Then I did tenor saxophone later, did the concert band, marching band in high school at okay. Central. Okay. And so that kind of carried on until mm. the end of high school. And I didn't really play too much after that. I bought a saxophone recently, actually. Um couple years
0: ago now during these times were you interested in the behind the scenes act of music or you were just more so just intrigued by just the actual songs themselves
1: yes and no i've always been intrigued by the business side but as a kid i didn't know what that consisted of okay you know i didn't really know what opportunities were out there so my imagination only went so far
0: how far did it go
1: the, just thinking about working in the business mm. even That's at its, that early of an age yeah just being in the business in some way behind the scenes wow. I didn't know what that consisted of okay. Um, but from a musical standpoint I wanted to be an artist okay. so you know I could I, I can sing so mm. I've always thought about like being an artist but mm. I knew that I didn't have what it took to be a superstar mm. so I kind of you know opted out of that idea Probably
0: in college. You you said you cut that idea. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So. Now what school college did you go to? Columbia,
1: Columbia College in Chicago. Okay. Downtown, okay. downtown Chicago. And that's what
0: led you to Chicago. How was mm-hmm. that transition moving from St. Louis to Chicago for you?
1: It was easy. I'm like a. Um, the chameleon. Yeah, and it and it kind of, I, I can up and go anywhere. But back then, I could. Okay. I don't know how I could do it now. Mm-hmm. That's the crazy part. Like as a kid, you're just fearless.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Still fearless in a way, but you know, I didn't. I didn't have any um, restrictions mm-hmm. on my imagination back then.
0: So going to Columbia University, no Columbia College. Mm-hmm. Um, what was your um, majoring?
1: So initially, I did um, audio arts and acoustics.
0: What did that consist of?
1: Uh, engineering.
0: Mm, but so in like studio engines? yeah. Oh, okay. So like
1: sound recording, live recording, sound reinforcement. Um, so this is where the
0: whole beginnings of the background of aspect of music kind of started to play. A floor in floor
1: college, floor in your, yeah, 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 in, in college. college. Um, and so I ended up producing a little bit in college. Oh uh,
0: yeah.
1: Mm hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> but. I wanted to have something to fall back on mm. cuz I knew I was going to do the business but I was like I need something to fall back on. Mm. And then after a while I was like why am I doing this? Like mm. I need a I need a plan A, and not a plan B. Mm. So I just kind of like transferred out maybe 2 years in.
0: Okay.
1: And I did music business so after that I switched my major to arts, entertainment, and media management.
0: Okay, here's where it starts.
1: Yeah, so this is that was my. Around
0: what year was this?
1: This was probably 2005 or six.
0: So when I met you, where were you in the? Well, okay, well, okay. So when I met you, what year in school were you?
1: Probably 2004 mm-hmm. or five. Probably my sophomore year of, okay. Co- of college. Okay. Um, what
0: led you to? Shrewd, Shrewd Marketing and Promotions. Now, for those that don't know, Shrewd Marketing and Promotions um, was a a marketing and promotions company based out of Chicago, but they also had an office in St. Louis. And in 2004, I joined Shrewd Marketing. A lot of people um, musically behind the scenes in St. Louis, whether it was artists or producers, were actually under this company, and it was ran by Solo and Fenster. And so that pretty much, and what that dealt was, was um, at the time, before it was the digital world of marketing and things of that nature, it was the physical aspect which dealt with, um, uh, what's it? uh, Sniping. Sniping, um, what's it, a table tent? Yep. Table tents in the clubs. that's when you go into the clubs and you put up the, the flyers on the tables. And then when sniping consisted of going out at night And putting the posters of the 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 albums coming soon up on the light poles and things of that nature. And when artists come in town, we would go around with the artists and take them around the city and take them to the radio station and to the clubs and things of that nature. And uh, during that time, for me, um, I met a lot of artists during that period, and I was like, wow, you know what I mean? Like it was like Young Buck, Gorilla Black. You know, because at that
1: time, they serviced Atlantic Records, Def Jam Records, any r- label you could think of. They We were servicing. And
0: that was so dope. You know yeah. what I mean? To just be able to... It wasn't even about, for me, because I was producing at that time as well, it wasn't even about trying to get beats to these artists. It was really just trying to see, I don't know, just hang out and be amongst it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so Shrewd Marketing provided that outlet for the both of us. Anyway, one particular time... We went to Chicago. It was a cold-ass night. We went to Chicago for a meeting. I don't know what it was Oh, it wasn't before. the Christmas party? I don't even remember. Okay. But I know it was cold as hell, <laughs> and we went to this meeting, and that's where I met Brandra, and she was there and with some other people that were there, and that's where you were working, uh, interning with Shrew. And for those out there that want to get involved, you have to be able to intern and find out, you know, the ins and outs of the business before you can just jump out there and figure out a way to make money from it. You have to learn how it operates in the the behind-the-scenes aspects. And so, for Shrewd Marketing, that's pretty much what that kind of laid the foundation for the both of us. Right, for sure. Now, how did you get get into getting with Shrewd?
1: I don't remember. (laughs) I really don't remember. I'm pretty sure it was someone in one of my classes that Mm -hmm. probably said something, mm. I, but I don't remember. Mm. It's so crazy. They were only a couple blocks from my college. Wow. So a lot of people who were affiliated with Shrew also either took classes at Columbia or in some way would hang around Columbia. Mm. So I think just the affiliation within itself was probably just natural because they were so close mm-hmm. in proximity. Um, and close in what I was looking to do. Right. So,
0: so in the midst of you working for Shrew, um, you were actually so you changed your major to
1: Music, well, arts, entertainment, and media management. Okay. Uh, my focus was music business, and mm-hmm. my concentration was talent management. Okay. So, so as you
0: see, folks, it's, it's all the stepping stone. You have to go through the steps in order to get to the stone. <laughs> um, so when did you graduate, and what was your degree in?
1: So I ended up graduating in 2007. Um, my degree was you know, audio, I'm sorry, arts, entertainment, and media management, um, which was awesome. I made a lot of connections at Columbia, which mm-hmm. is the main reason why people end up attending uh, that college because of the network. Mm. It was kind of a thing where like, if you graduate from Columbia, you failed. Mm. So, cause it was so you many. Failed? Yeah. Cause, awesome. cause it was so many opportunities to get out cause you meet so many people there. Okay. Like you can get a job. You can figure out a way to get to LA and just meet people and end up not, you know, spending all your money in college Mm -hmm. and just getting out and, cause you, let's be honest, you don't need a degree Mm -hmm. to work in the music business. Mm -hmm. You need a degree to intern now, Mm -hmm. but back then I was interning without probably official paperwork at Mm -hmm. places and I interned at a lot of places. Um, And you know, at college you can only intern once Mm. and get the credit. They're not, they're not going to count it numerous times Mm -hmm. so outside of shrewd i was interning at a public relations company i was interning at probably any company you could think about that had the opportunity and i did it for free i Mm -hmm. didn't do it for college credit it was just free they would throw us money when they could but that was like a bonus because you were
0: doing it for the the the
1: knowledge right for sure sure. Yeah. yeah and and I still thought about managing around that time because at that point, I felt like whatever I did, I needed to know all aspects of the business. Okay. So, I, like I said, I interned at a public relations company, which is publicity. Um, I did Shrewd, mm-hmm. and they also managed at the time, too. Mm. So I felt like I was kind of touching every point of the music business. And no, just not every point, but more points than uh, most people were doing at that time. Mm-hmm. So...
0: Um, so- Furthering uh, along in this in this journey of yours, um, when you got your degree, what was your next steps?
1: So after I got my degree... And you said in 07? In 07, okay. I went to New York for an interview with William Morris, thanks to... I ended up... Okay, so I forgot to talk about um, I interned with Management Company in St. Okay. Louis. Okay. Um,
0: what company was that? Uh,
1: it was with T-Love.
0: What, Dirty and T?
1: It wasn't Dirty N.T. because that was a label, Mm -hmm. so I did the management side, which was Alliance Music Group at the time. They went through a couple of different names because they ended up partnering with Jay Irving and Troy Carter.
0: And now, what did that uh, um, um, entail, you doing, working with the management company?
1: Uh, Interning, I did nothing every day. Mm. Literally, I was there doing nothing because when I called... And I say that I'll get to I'll get to that point. And mm-hmm. I say that because sometimes you have to do nothing just to be in the you know yeah in the in the vicinity just mm-hmm. to have the opportunity later to just have a conversation yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah. So every day I went to the office I literally did nothing. Did nothing. We would actually it was we had for two hours. two mi- for hours mm. too many interns mm. in the building. When I called for the internship, they were like, "I'm sorry, we don't have any more positions available. We're maxed out." Mm-hmm. She's like, but the lady, Dana Randolph, said, but send me your resume. I sent my resume, in, and on my resume at the time, I was a member of the NCNW, which is the National Council of Negro Women, okay. which is basically like the NAACP. It's like a sister company. Okay. So, not knowing this at the time, her aunt was the founder, Ooh. Dorothy Height, Ooh. who was based out of B.C. hmm who's very instrumental in, like, the civil rights movement, you know? Okay. Um, so I, I didn't really, I couldn't, I didn't know. She asked me, she was like, do you know who founded the NTNW? And I, I didn't even know. <laughs> so I told, mm-hmm. she asked me, I didn't know, and she said, Dorothy, Hyde. And I was like, yes, of course. Like, when she said it, it, you know, rung a bell at the time. And so basically she hired me off that mm. strength. It was kind of like a... Uh, sorority thing I guess you know and so because I was affiliated was a member and heavily active because I was I used to sing at different um occasions in St. Louis or whatnot Mm. and just participate and volunteer she had me come in Mm. and I came in and did nothing but occasionally they would have events because at this time they uh T-Love was also partnering with uh Marshall Falk and an agent the agent who represented him Okay. Um, I'm drawing a blank Rocky Rocky Arsenal okay. so they were partnered together as well mm. and so we had a, we had like Steven Jackson we had Marshall Falk it was just a bunch of athletes that they represented okay. in St. Louis and outside of St. Louis mm. so there would be events from time to time we would have like golf tournaments or different events that we could help out with but for the most part you know they didn't need us Right. they were just yeah, it was cool to be there, you yeah, know? Yeah, We would see the artists, and occasionally, occasionally, like, you know, they would ask us to do, like, a bio for, like, St. Lunatics. Not even the Lunatics. Murphy Lee had a group back then.
0: Yeah, I think I remember the name of his brother. Yeah, yeah and yeah, so, yeah. like, Just I remember writing
1: brother. bios for them. Mm-hmm. And one of the guys passed away, actually. I can't remember his name. Yeah, I remember um, But, like, writing bios... Or whatnot, And just kind of getting in the mix as much as I could. But that all happened later. It didn't happen initially because yeah. at that point you have to like, you know, they have to learn to trust you.
0: Yeah. Um, That's another thing. So when you get involved with these particular situations, nothing is just going to come to you overnight. You have to be able to get in where you fit in and then live in the process. You can't just get into the process and expect to grow each, not even. even though, even though, even though each day is a growing process, you're not going to be able to get in and reap the benefits of the process. You right, have to live in the process. For sure. So you were part of that management company. You moved to New York.
1: Yeah, I ended up moving to New York. Now, originally. how was
0: that transition from you from Chicago to New York? Probably the same. Because, uh, not you know, really. No, it's, well, it know, it's was different. Totally it was different. Oh, really? It was. The okay. weather is
1: about the same. Okay, but. Not really. The weather was kind of similar to me back then, but now that I think about it, they're drastically different.
0: Mm. For Chicago? Yeah. Okay.
1: Chicago's way colder than New York. But in terms of being in the midst of the culture and what was happening in entertainment, New York had a lot more going on. At that point, New York was the um, the hub for everything music-related. Okay. Most of the labels were there. Now, it's kind of transitioned. A lot of the labels are in L.A. and New York, Mm. and a lot of the creators are here in L.A., but Mm. back then, everybody was in New York. Mm. So, you were in the midst of just everything, and Mm. it was a bit intimidating. I didn't know how I was going to make it. Um, Just trying to figure it out, like figuring out where I would fit in at, Mm. um, figuring out what it took. But I knew I just had to be there, mm. and that's really all it took was just being there right. and being available, Right. and not doing anything crazy. Obviously, right. um, people had to like trust me over time, and that happened. I think that's probably one of like my greatest characteristics is that people can trust, you trust me. You. Mm-hmm. So I ended up being in a lot of circles. Mm-hmm. I saw a lot of things, and I kind of just built relationships from there, mm-hmm. and worked in many different places. So. I didn't get the job at William Morris that I initially went there to interview for, but working for T. Love's company, mm. he and Dana Randolph, who ran the office at the time, mm. referred me over to Monty Lippman, who was the head of Universal Records, which okay, is so. now mm. Universal Republic. Okay. So just I'm sorry, just Republic Records now. Okay. At the time, they were Universal Records, mm. and...
0: So you up in the building now. I was in the building. Yeah, that name sounds familiar to me Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: he's the head. He and his brother run Republic Records, and I had the opportunity to interview with him, which is so rare, mm. you know? So mm. I'm forever grateful for that. Mm. So they didn't have anything available at the time. He ended up introducing me to someone who introduced me to the 10th. Temp- Agency director, and mm. I went through their temp agency. He was like, You know, just work in the temp agency, something will come up, you'll get a job. We'll make sure you get a job. Mm. He kept his word, they got me a job because I would imagine that they prioritized me. And they about how soon after, after that. What was that? Not long,
0: some like some months,
1: yeah, some months.
0: Okay, did you ever in the process of this ever feel like, Man, was something gonna happen? or you was just. Kind of going with the flow, just whatever.
1: Oh, of course, naturally. I think we all we all hit those roadblocks. Um,
0: what got you through?
1: Time. Mm. <laughs> just staying in the mix.
0: Okay.
1: Yeah, time. Just being faithful as well. Mm. But really, you just have to endure it. Mm. And some of the most successful people are people that just never quit. Mm. Mm. You know, a lot of people can't endure, and they just give up, and yeah. they either they leave the city in which... You know they sought after or um they get so frustrated and they get tired of the music industry that they just quit and they end up going back home so
0: it could have been a point in new york where you said you know what i'm just gonna go back to st louis and just work at i don't know work at Edward Jones or something
1: in reality <laughs> yes but for me no right right, um, right. <laughs> you know I, that was never that was never ever That was never a thought I've never thought about moving back home mm-hmm. because I knew I wouldn't have been able to pursue what I wanted to do mm-hmm. and the fact that I was in position was an opportunity of a lifetime so I knew I couldn't take that for granted
0: mm. so being in New York how long were you there
1: I was in New York from 2007, and I'm skipping a lot of parts, I'm sure. I ended up working at a fabric company. A fabric? Yeah, it was called Wavel Mill Creek.
0: What is that deal with? To be
1: honest with you, I don't remember, but they <laughs> sold fabric.
0: Okay. so was you a
1: million-dollar do- company.
0: So you were doing something basically to pay the bills.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, until, yeah. until the temp agency called me and said exactly. they had something in the music business. Exactly. That's, and that's, this- that's
0: like me going to work at Walgreens and just waiting for something to happen, you know, with the music or with the barber. Right. Things. You just work at a fabric company. Just, hey, they're, they hired me. Right, they're paying me, paying the bills, mm-hmm. let me get
1: it. And I think the temp agency gave me that job. Yeah, okay. I, oh, got, the, okay. I got the job through them. Okay. And so it was probably a test too to mm. figure out if I would last. You know. Mm. Now that I think about it, I never really.
0: Like a, a test to see, that. like give you some old whatever type job to see yeah. if you'd be like, man. This so how long was you working there?
1: Uh, some months, I probably. I don't remember. I, I'm kind of losing track of the,
0: the time,
1: the time frame. Now tell me this:
0: when you worked there, because mm-hmm. you know how
1: I was a switchboard clerk.
0: Okay, yeah. <laughs> so I know you were. I know you were watching the clock, like every hour, like how much. Not really, because this company I was busy. I was busy.
1: This okay. company was bringing in money, because that switchboard was ringing. Okay. Um, Cause you know how
0: sometimes when you a, when you're on a job that you don't like, right? You kind of seem looking at the clock how many hours I got left. Yeah. I can't wait till the weekend.
1: I didn't have that in me back then.
0: You didn't? No. Okay. I
1: didn't have that in me. So you were just
0: enjoying? I was just chilling. Okay, you were just chilling.
1: I I I was cool, but I didn't work there that long. And a guy that I knew in Chicago referred me, and granted, I'm losing track of the events. But he ended up recommending me for a job in marketing. Mm. And I ended up working for this company called Noise Marketing. Okay. And at the time, we represented Bombay Sapphire. So I would put on events for entertainment professionals or celebrities Mm. in L.A. or Atlanta wherever it might be. But you were still in New York. I was in New York. Okay. And so this was obviously after... Company job, I think, I'm pretty sure. And I worked there, which was awesome. I met some really cool people. Mm-hmm. And it was great. We put on one of the events for Jesse Jackson's 67th or 66th birthday party. You and met Jesse it was Jackson. A, yes. Mm-hmm. And it was the first time Michael Jackson appeared. Michael? After Michael had been away for a while, we mm-hmm. remember back then. Mm-hmm. And so this is, everyone was, it was rumored that Michael was going to show up to this event. Mm. And you know, we are all like, Michael, it's Michael. Really. Mm.
0: You know? mm. But it was a big event. Did he show
1: up? He showed up. Did and you show up? I met Michael. You sister.
0: met Michael Jackson? Yeah. What was that like?
1: I'm not starstruck, so when I tell the story to people, <laughs> they're like, what? So one of my duties that night was to like, man the door. Why I was manning the door, I'm not really sure. but. It was at the Beverly Hills Hotel on Wilshire.
0: So, but you were still living in, in New York. Yes. Okay, but you would fly out. Yes, for okay. events. Okay.
1: Okay. Yeah, it was awesome. Imagine being that young, like staying in a really nice hotel. And Michael Jackson up. is
0: coming through the door.
1: Michael Jackson is allegedly coming, and he comes with Barry Gordy. <laughs> and so, for so me, you get, you get my, hit, you,
0: you're getting hit with a double win.
1: Yeah, but let me tell you how. I know this is gonna sound crazy to most people, but for me at the time. I wanted to meet Barry Gordy. I didn't necessarily care about meeting Michael Jackson because in my mind, I'm thinking, how far can I get with a celebrity? I need to get far with a businessman. Mm. So I wanted to meet Barry Gordy. Mm. And my boss, Yvonne McNair, wanted to meet Michael. Mm. She ended up meeting Barry, and I met Michael. Mm. And I wanted to meet Barry so bad because I knew if I could just talk to him, Mm -hmm. I could find a way or, you know, talk about get some type of advice on how to break into the music business mm-hmm. so that was my goal that mm-hmm. night and her goal was to meet michael jackson and we flip-flopped wow. but it was great i mean he shook my hand his hand was super soft <laughs>
0: for, for real
1: <laughs> yeah it was awesome it was what, cool what,
0: was he soft-spoken
1: yes yeah. very soft-spoken now what year was this this was 2000 i graduated in 2007 so this was either 2007 or 2008
0: and then he passes away Later. Probably, yep. Because yeah. I was working at Def Jam recording.
1: I was at Def Jam when it happened. And I remember telling people there. I remember the day Michael passed away. Because mm-hmm. I was working at Def Jam. L.A. Reed was running the company.
0: Mm-hmm. And So you met these guys. L.A. Reed.
1: Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it was just interesting. I remember telling the story about Michael Jackson. And it just being so crazy to people that I have met him. Yeah. Because Michael didn't come out like that.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's it's interesting speaking on that Because, like, with John Singleton passing Like, I met John back in February mm-hmm. And for now this to happen It's like, wow it's And crazy. I didn't even take a picture with him Like, wow. I wanted to
1: I never take pictures
0: Yeah, and that's the thing I did. I, I don't either mm-hmm. Unless I'm actually, like, you know In the midst of, you know, cutting their hair Or in I'm in the studio You know what I mean? Things right. like that But just to take a picture with him I don't really do that so when that whole situation came about and I met him, you know what I'm saying, because he's also a frat brother, um, I just we just introduced, talked to each other for a quick second. And because the lady who hired me on to be one of the hairstylists for Snowfall, yeah, I was like, well, I'll, I'll be back. Right, you know what I mean? Because I don't I don't want to just take pictures with this man the first right. day I meet right. him, right? But I never made it back, yeah. And so, boom, and that happens. It's like, when
1: was this?
0: This was uh, early February. Wow, yeah, I worked, I was on Snowfall, uh, maybe like the first week they started wow. back filming. Um, crazy, yeah, I know, right? Uh, so. And, and so it just okay. So so tell me this. So how did how did it feel to be here? It is this this young girl from St. Louis,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and now you're out here. You L. A. Reed, Michael Jackson. <laughs> the, you know what I mean? Like you just graduated from high school went off to college you finished now you're doing this i mean it's like things are kind of moving so fast for you is that how it felt during the time or it was just like this is just what i'm on you know some people when they when they when they when they're a part of success they don't think about the processes of going through it because they feel like whatever it is that they're doing is it's it's a part of what it is they're doing, it's them.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Whereas someone else would be like superstar struck. Right. Super tripping out, you know right. what I mean? Where you're, as with you, you were kind of just going with the flow. For sure. How did that feel for you at this point in your life, coming from St. Louis, that little girl at Keevan and going to Kirby, and now here you are in New York doing all these different things?
1: It felt necessary for the journey. Mm. And I say this in the most non-egotistical way with much confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it, it's what had to happen. You know, I never looked at it. I was, I've was i never been starstruck with any artist. Um, so I, it never really phased me. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of just a part of the process. And you kind of got to go through these things. Mm-hmm. To, you know, we've seen many celebrities. Mm-hmm. So especially just living in L.A., just, mm-hmm. you know, even in New York, you can just run into celebrities just being there. So I was never phased by it, but it was just necessary for the process and for the journey. Mm-hmm. I think, and I never really thought about it that way. So for the first part of what you said, I agree. It was just kind of natural. It just, mm-hmm. I just kind of did it. It was, mm-hmm. it was. I, I was never in the moment of like, oh I was in the moment of like, thank you, God. Mm-hmm. But I was never in the moment of I've made it mm-hmm. because it was never enough for me, mm-hmm. and I think when you know where you wanna go, you know that those steps are necessary. Right. So, for so, sure. so So,
0: boom. Being in New York, what inspired the transition to occur from you moving from New York to LA?
1: Well, I've always wanted to live in LA. After Columbia, my goal, or my plan was to have my car ship. I even, I was working on having my car ship. I had a cousin out here. She still lives here. Mm-hmm. She had basically said I could live with her. Mm-hmm. I was coming to L.A. in my Mm mind. New York was just this dark place to me. I was never really... Because I had interned in New York. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: It was never like an aspiring city I wanted to be in. I just didn't naturally feel the energy of it. Mm -hmm. So I've always wanted to be in L.A. because I love the weather. It it just felt like that's where all the celebrities were that I needed to be with. Mm And New York always felt... All work, no play. And I, I guess I just never fell in love with the energy of New York. Mm-hmm. But being there and knowing what I know now, it was very necessary for me to go to New York first because there was just a work ethic and a hustle about the city mm-hmm. that I, I'm sure I, I had naturally. Both of my parents, my mom, you know, they were workaholics. My mom retired twice. My mm. dad, you know, he worked at Ford Motors, retired, had his own auto body and towing company, mm. and just worked at a bunch of different places, and but always worked for themselves too. Mm. So I've kind of had just that work ethic from seeing them, but New York is a different beast. Yeah. And so I'm glad that I had a chance to live there and kind of see what it took. Cause mm-hmm. you know, those people are cutthroat mm-hmm. in New York. It's like people weird. are cutthroat in LA as well, but it's just a different type. It's like if. every the epitome of what Diddy is, it's like you saw that all the time. Yeah, you
0: know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like it's kind of like that uh that 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 grit. Yeah. It's more of a gritty kind of feel to the business, and it's not really as bright and glamorous as the LA, LA lifestyle. No, not so at to all. have, so to appreciate the. The glam of L.A., you had to go to the grit of yes, New York. Yes, for sure. Yeah. So you made your transition to L.A., and what and what was your reason for moving out here? So or, you know, I
1: ended up, just to fast forward a few steps, so after I worked at Def Jam Recordings, my boss passed away. I worked for Shakir Stewart, okay. who was executive vice president That's of That's the Def one who was
0: in, um, I remember seeing him on the uh, was that TV show with the brothers. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, um, unfortunately, he passed away back in 2008.
0: 2008. Wow, so in 2008 already? Yeah, like 11 years ago. Yeah. Oh.
1: Um, so, unfortunately, that happened, and I was lucky enough to still be able to work at Def Jam because um, uh, one of my mentors at the time was Grace Miguel. And she kind of took me under her wing, and she allowed me to work in her department. She was running the marketing department, the new media department, and the creative department. And so she basically created a temporary position for me to work out of until they figured out a way for me to fill one of the full-time positions. So I was able to stay there. Afterwards, I ended up working with Usher briefly. And then kind of got back into the temp agency system because my husband ended up getting really sick. He was mm. my boyfriend at the time. Mm. And I just kind of stayed in Syracuse for a while because he was in the hospital up there. So get back to the city. You know, money's running out. I had to a lot of money working with Usher. Mm. Um, but the money was starting to run out, and I didn't have a job, so I had to get back into the temp agency. And I remember just being so... Uh, depleted emotionally of just mm-hmm. not having a job and just having the desire to want to work so bad, I like was crying every day. Like I just want to work, what? and it was so stressful, very depressing. What? And I I didn't have a job, and I necessarily wasn't reaching out to people because I think my pride was filling away to Like, uh, where do I even start? Mm-hmm. Um, so I ended up going back through the temp agency and. I told I was very specific. I told the lady I said don't call me unless you have a publishing position or a marketing position. Mm. And I remember when I was working with Usher, I ended up meeting a superstar songwriter Esther Dean, mm-hmm. and she was very influential in like my spiritual journey at that point. I was always spiritual, but at this point she was reading the book the secret Mm, mm -hmm. she would Mm. tell people about the secret all the time Mm -hmm. she was manifesting craziness Mm. like everything she said she wanted she got it Mm. i literally can't think of anything back then that she wanted that she didn't get
0: Mm. yeah the secret
1: yeah so i
0: saw i had that dvd
1: yeah so i i was in communication a lot with esther and Um, we talked a lot and so she was basically telling me she just basically gave me the fire for months later and so months later um, I remember just praying to God and I remember writing my prayer out I still have it somewhere I wonder if I can find it Mm. Um, I wrote it in a journal I have a prayer journal I don't really use it anymore but back then I wrote like I will have a job within 30 days Mm. like demanding it okay because I was so frustrated with not being able to work mm. I'm like this is what I have left and probably day 32 or 30 yeah probably day 32 I get the call from the temp agency about working mm. about working at, uh, at ASCAP and so I ended up working at ASCAP which led me and I was very specific in my prayer I was like this job will lead me to my career job or whatever it is this will be like the breaking for what I'm to mm. do next. Wow. And so I ended up working at ASCAP, which is, it's not publishing exactly, but mm-hmm. it's dealing with songwriters. Yeah. So, um, I interned there. It was only a and break. And that was
0: here or in New that York? That was in New York City. Okay.
1: So I ended up temping there. And after that, I ended up temping with Ethiopia, Haptomerium and Jill Shagel at Universal Music Publishing Group in New York. Okay. So I temped with them for a few months and basically got hired full time. Wow and after that Ethiopia asked me if I wanted to move to LA (laughs) 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 so I ended up moving to LA mind you I was a kick ass assistant because I had worked for Usher so Mm. I could nothing everything was easy for me like you know, I was probably organizing her life in a way she had never seen. Mm. So she was like, would you like to move to Los Angeles? Because at this time, the music business was transitioning out here. Mm. And she kind of had the vision of where the music business was going. So we came out here pretty early on.
0: What year was this?
1: Probably 2000, 2012. Mm. I moved the same day Whitney passed away. Wow. I remember landing to text messages about her passing. And I was like, this is a really cool joke. Cause I couldn't believe I remember she had that day. So that was the
0: day that you moved out here. That
1: was the day I landed. It was Grammy weekend. Mm. Was the Clive Davis had the party that yeah. same night, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it was horrible. It was a horrific situation. And that was my introduction to LA, yeah. unfortunately. And so I, I ended remember up that day. Was that like
0: February? Yep, or like February 2012.
1: Yeah. yeah, it was crazy.
0: So you've been out here now seven years. Yeah. Does it feel like seven years? I don't know. No.
1: I don't know. I mean, you know, the seasons are so.
0: Yeah, they just come and go.
1: Yeah, <laughs> LA is just interesting yeah. in that way. it's like it,
0: it's like it's like it doesn't. It's like you can take the people away, but and put new people in place, and it's the same. It's, yeah. You don't. The time just kind of goes here.
1: Yeah, it does. It's like
0: it's still the young. You know depending on how depending on what you're feeling in that space you yeah. can still go back on in hollywood or go over whatever yeah. it, it's still the same thing
1: i tell people all the time we mature a little bit slower mm. and i don't say mature in a like a we're immature people no no no. it's
0: not like in st louis people but, grow up faster yeah and quicker for sure. or they do
1: they achieve different things faster than we are entertainment yeah we're very youthful. yeah in that way because the business is moving so fast we end up putting off a lot of things yeah yeah so people who were having kids and were getting married for us in the entertainment business we were just like still trying to get a foot in the door you know so things it, it takes a long time to get to break into the business so we end up sacrificing true. love. We end up sacrificing true. our families. We true. end up sacrificing things that are very close and dear to us true. for the passion and for the opportunity just to work in the music business true. and entertainment. True. So. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's what I'm saying. Everything you say is like, true, true. Yeah, true. so,
1: you know, we're like hanging out still in yeah, our 30s, yeah, like, yeah. hard. True. True, <laughs> true, true. No, you truly so, yes.
0: That's definitely 100% yeah. accurate. I mean, you know, I've sacrificed a lot, you know, moving out here. It's right. been nine years.
1: I remember.
0: It's been nine years. Yeah. Um, we used to March. talk all the time about yeah. love yeah. and, you yeah. know, and, yeah, I remember. And, you know, here I am, you know, out here and, you know, different things happening. Um, So being out here, mm-hmm. what has that done for you to where it led you to where you are today?
1: Being out here, I'm not gonna say everything has been peaches and cream. Mm -hmm. I went through a very tough period at Universal Publishing where I thought, and still do feel this way, I should have been further along. Mm -hmm. And I had an amazing, still do, Ethiopia Haptomerium is an amazing mentor for me. And we went through a change of regime basically we had another person come in and head the company and just naturally things happened Mm. and so when my promotion was supposed to happen it just didn't happen in the timely manner in which I would have wanted it to and really have needed it to for my mental sanity and I just kind of I kind of broke I Mm. was very depressed I was Mm. very um just I wasn't encouraged I was just over it Mm. but I stuck it through I mean you know I would cry every day pretty much just wanting to be in a different place and that went on for a long time just the transition so a lot of the old regime left basically everyone from the old regime left Um, and I was kind of one of the last people still there but not really at a place where I thought I should have been because people were coming in over me Mm -hmm. and I had been at the company for years you know five Mm -hmm. years probably at this point Mm -hmm. and so I was kind of looking for a new opportunity but mm-hmm. hadn't really gotten my feet wet on the creative A&R side mm-hmm. in which I needed to to what, move forward.
0: What made you want to go into the A&R side and what does the A&R, you know, what does the A&R do for those out there that are listening that have no idea what that is but they've always heard of that word?
1: So A&R stands for Artist and Repertoire people never say it it's but that's what it stands for um, it's kind of just a it's grandfathered in, I guess at this point the work is not, it's just weird yeah. um but being an A&R on the publishing side I can give you what that means and I didn't become an A&R on the label side. I ended up working with Ethiopia at Motown as well. So at some point when I was assisting her, we ended up working at Motown Records and Universal Music Publishing Group at the same time because Mm. they were both under Universal Mm. Music Group and she was asked to do both positions. So I assisted her in both realms of that. A&R on the publishing side consists of identifying, scouting, developing talent, creating opportunities for Mm -hmm. your songwriters your producers Mm -hmm. sometimes those are artists Mm -hmm. um just people use the word exploit and i hate using that Mm -hmm. we're basically finding endless opportunities for your catalog for the music that you're creating on a daily basis and feature opportunities if you're an artist Mm and just different ways so that you can make money mm-hmm. and so on the publishing side the way we make money is through royalties mm-hmm. um and that has changed along the years because of streaming right and so
0: now do you all handle like licensing as far as like yes tv yes and film that's music. another way to make money right
1: through synchronization right um performance royalties is another way mm-hmm. um so there's a, quite a few, but the main way to make money is through synchronization and through performance royalties. Okay. Um, mechanical royalties aren't as prevalent nowadays. And
0: that's off of sales.
1: Uh, like a like a download mm-hmm. or a CD sales right, or vinyl, folks, right? Because folks aren't really are buying streaming. CDs. Exactly. Like they're just streaming. So um, the business has gotten a lot cutthroat mm. on the publishing side mm. because of that streaming companies don't pay out properly to mm-hmm. songwriters mm-hmm. and when I say songwriters I mean songwriter. anybody that writes music so whether they're a producer mm-hmm. or an artist anybody that creates music I say that mm-hmm. I say songwriter mm-hmm. um, they don't pay out properly to songwriters as they should and it's a continued fight that we're having mm-hmm. with Congress mm-hmm. and I don't know if you've seen it recently but like you know um, there's been an appeal from Spotify, Pandora and other companies
0: I heard about something about that
1: not Apple, but yeah, they're appealing. For their rate, yeah. So they want to pay us less than what they already paying us, which is pennies anyway.
0: Spotify.
1: All the DSPs, pretty much. Hmm. Um.
0: Now what are DSPs? Uh,
1: they're basically the digital platforms. So like YouTube. Digital streaming platforms. Yeah, digital streaming platforms. Okay. So uh, YouTube, YouTube, Deezer, Pandora, Pandora, Title. All of those companies, mm-hmm. Apple, yeah. Okay. Um, and so I know
0: uh, title pays out like I think like a penny or maybe even like two pennies a play. It's crazy. And Apple does like a penny a play. Spotify, you had to do like three streams for one for one penny.
1: And whatever, it's probably less than that. <clears throat> whatever the number is, I can't don't I don't want to quote a number now, but whatever that number is, is based off only a hundred percent. Yeah. So if you don't own 100%, which most people don't, you own maybe 10% or maybe you own 50% or 40% or 30%. You have to basically divide that up from the rate that they're giving you, which is a joke. And nowadays,
0: you know, producers, you know, and and songwriters, now on records you see four and five songwriters- At least. On one track. Oh,
1: for sure. And if there's a sample, plenty more. (sighs)
0: I was looking on, uh, what's it, um, Drake Scorpion. Okay. And uh, what's the record, uh, the joint with the Lauryn Hill sample? Okay. It was probably about 15 Mm -hmm. writers on that record.
1: Yeah. And I'm like... That record made a ton of money. It made a ton of money.
0: So it's like, even as a writer, you got 2%... 3%. Three percent. Hey, I'd be like, hey, it is what it is. <laughs> I take two or three percent of, of, of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. So, what led you to the position that you're in right now? And what is that position that you're in right, right now? What does it consist of? And you know, you have some artists out there like, man, well, I want, I want that she can sign me, or I right. want that she can. What What led you to where you are now? Uh,
1: working at Universal, getting my feet wet grounded signing. Um, I, I was very instrumental in re-signing some really important guys like Metro Boomin. Mm. And but did you
0: know him from back to career? I didn't. Okay.
1: I didn't. Um, but it was very important for me to sign him because he's from St. Louis mm-hmm. and he's amazingly talented. Mm. And it was just close to home for me. hmm so I, I re signed him with a couple of
0: the co workers. So you, so you re signed, so check this out, y'all. So you re signed Metro Boomin. Yeah. To a,
1: to a publishing to deal. To a pub
0: deal. Um, mm. a Universal, mm. and
1: when I say pub deal, I'm not—I'm not, I'm not going to be specific because his—you know—his deal is confidential. But mm-hmm. you know, there are different types of deals. There yeah. are am, administrative deals. There are co-publishing deals. Yeah. yeah. Um, but
0: you were a part of his. Yeah. 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 For sure. Mm-hmm.
1: So that was very important for me. So I started, you know, making sure that even though I hadn't properly Gotten promoted, that I was still doing the work mm. of the A and R. And so I would be in the streets. I would. You know, working in Ethiopia, I was meeting everybody. So, mm-hmm. a lot of things were coming to me. I was talking to a lot of people, building relationships. Mm-hmm. So, I kind of just took that and kind of ran with it and mm-hmm. just kind of put my head down and worked. Mm-hmm. Even though I was frustrated, even though I was depressed, even though I didn't think things should be where I wanted them to be at the mm-hmm. time. I just continued to work. Mm-hmm. And that happened. I resigned Happy Perez. And I signed Lil Yachty mm. with another co-worker with at the With a time. pub deal. Yes. Mm. Um, and with another co-worker, Lil Yachty was signed with Walter Jones. Mm. He's still at, he's actually running A&R mm. on the West Coast now, Universal Publishing. Congrats to Walt. He just got promoted. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I started doing, you know, making those mm-hmm. type of moves. Mm. And so... It was recognized after a while, and I wasn't anticipating on leaving the company. You ended up leaving? I ended up leaving the company uh, in 20, what are we in right now? 2019. I left it last year.
0: You left?
1: Universal, and now I'm at Warner Chapel Music.
0: Now what made you go to Warner Chapel Music?
1: I just ended up getting courted, and it happened, you know? I didn't necessarily seek after the job.
0: What, what artists are with, like, Warner Chapel Music?
1: So we have Meek Mill, we have Lil Wayne, we have Ray Schremer, we have, in terms of songwriters, we have all the eardrummers, mm. we have, I've signed quite a few people since I've been there. Yeah,
0: um, I'm seeing, I'm seeing on your, on your IG, so, um, it said in, uh, what was this? In March. Yeah. Uh, women who run the music industry. Oh, Yeah. Um, we have Randra Ringo, senior director of A&R at Warner Chapel. How did it feel to get to get you know recognized from iStandard for that you know as you know one of the women who run the music industry? It was the, great. It was because iStandard is a known right. producer. Yeah, you know.
1: Um, I work with tradition. those guys a lot, at least a couple times a year. Jay Hatch, um, who runs iStandard, is an amazing person. And so I help out when need be, and you know, just I was really excited to see that. It was, it was, it was great. It's really great.
0: Mm. Um, so I mean, well, you know, I'm, I'm just happy that you know to see you go from the young girl that's shrewd, you know what I mean, to. Being recognized by high standard and mm-hmm. the, the women in the music industry, you know what I mean. At right. this and you and, and the thing about it is, you're so young to where you still have a lot more to go. Yeah. And how does that feel for you it to is? know that you have a lot more to go? I mean, you never know. I
1: don't really where. think about time mm. anymore. I just kind just of go act in the now. Mm. And just being at Warner Chapel, I've signed a lot of guys. I've signed. Um, these guys are amazing and I know they will be even more amazing as time goes on mm-hmm. but I just want to kind of like highlight some of the people who I work with um, Kirk Knight who's out of Brooklyn, I heard he's, name he's an artist, producer, and songwriter. He produced ASAP for Plain Jane, okay, but he's also an artist signed to Pro Era Joey Badass, yeah, yeah, that's what I heard. So, you know, they're on a the roll right now on this Beast Coast tour, and mm. this weekend he'll be performing at Rolling Loud in Miami, so okay. I'll see him down there. Okay. Um, but like I said, he produced Ace uh, After Plain Jane, and that's when I first discover who he was. Mm. And then I met him in the studio and he ended up telling me how he came up with the track and he built that track around Ferg's vocal.
0: Mm.
1: And I thought that was fascinating. I was like, so well, "He's talented." Day? Yeah. Okay. So I think
0: I've seen him on the uh what's it uh, Deconstructed?
1: the Deconstructed? Yep, yep. Yeah, It's on my page too. I'm genius. Yeah. yeah, and so when he told me the story, I was like, "Oh, this dude's talented. I got to mm. sign him." Mm. And uh yeah, I I signed him, and I'm who I'm else? really happy about his success. And mm. he he's got a lot more coming too, mm. some really cool stuff that I can't mention yet. But it's it's dope. Who else you? I, I, I signed um, DJ Darrell, who is Migos' tour DJ and in house producer. He did like Narcos, Ice Tray for mm. Migos. Okay. Um, he's also on three songs on. Takeoffs project okay. so they work very closely together. He's also working on his personal project. That's also going to go through quality control of Motown mm. So he's very in the mix with mm. all those guys and even the affiliates like um, Young Thug or like, you know, Rich Kid. He's got music with a lot of these guys, mm. you know mm-hmm. So, when his project comes, it'll be really cool to see. Dope, dope. Um, Also signed this guy, D.Y. Crazy, producer out of 808 Mafia. Okay. He produced um, Gucci's last single, Wake Mm. Up in the Sky, featuring Bruno Mars and Kodak Black. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a dope record. That's a dope Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, that was my first or second. That song? Yeah. uh, It was the number one record. So, it was number one at Rhythmic Radio, and it Mm. was number one at Urban Radio. yeah him. So you were a
0: part of that structure of that happening. Yeah. That's a done, okay. Um, Now okay. signing course, him on the floor Now with Kodak died. Black, you know, his the whole thing happened. I'm pretty sure they probably, you know, kind of slowed that down. Well, you know, played out here.
1: It, it, it had climax. It had reached its peak. Yeah. So at that point, but I mean, that's recent. Yeah. But, um. Because you know, it, it was going. Cause I'm, I,
0: I remember the week that that came out. It was, matter of fact, it was a week. My sister passed. It was wow. um, yeah. It was that week. But she passed September twenty fourth. Okay. So it was during that like first week was when I remember first hearing it. Yeah. On uh, ninety two point three.
1: Yeah. So that was my first number one at Warner Chapel. Mm. Which was a goal. That was a huge. That was that was really big for me. Being so, a part of that.
0: So being a part of that, you were like you, you placed that like you. That, said-
1: this the, particular record
0: now. So.
1: This particular record, I would get credit for identifying the talent before something came out. So a part of being an A and R is identifying the guys who you think will be hit makers. Okay. So I identified him and I signed him. Okay. DY Crazy. So I wasn't a part of the actual record. The record was done before I met him. Okay. But, you know, I saw him as someone that was in the streets, someone that was very aggressive, someone that was obviously very talented. Mm. And he was someone that I wanted to be a part of my team. Mm. You know, I'm obviously a part of his team, so mm. it's a partnership. So mm. we went in partnership together probably around in September or, or August. No, I think it was August. Mm. If the record came out in September, we, yeah. I, we agreed in August. Um, probably. Don't quote me, but I'm pretty sure.
0: So to, you know... Other females, out, you know, young females out there, young guys out there that are interested in doing what it is that you're doing. For those that are listening, what can you give them um, as words of encouragement, encouragement to inspire them and to, you know, give them some, you know, a boost, you know, in what it is that they're trying to do. You know, it could be a listener right now listening in uh, Ohio or right. somebody from St. Louis, right, right now that's listening to this. And want to be on the same path as, as what it is that you're doing. What What is some words of encouragement that you can give them to, you know, further along themselves?
1: Map out exactly what it is that you want and work backwards. And don't let anything get in the way of that.
0: Map out exactly what it is you want and work backwards.
1: In terms of your plan.
0: Mm. Work, mm.
1: Like, map it out mm. backwards. And so so map go, so
0: start with the goal.
1: Start with the big goal, map that out what that looks like, mm. and then you go for the goal. Mm. And don't let anything distract you. I remember I had a girlfriend in St. Louis who was like, I don't know how you can just up and move, and I'm like, mm. she was like, how do you do it? I said, I don't think about it. Just do it. You just do it. You don't think about anything else that's in the way. You have to have tunnel vision. Mm. In a way, mm. you know, like I said before, we sacrifice a lot of things mm. to be in position or to have these opportunities mm. and to live so far away from our family. Yeah. So you kind of just have to, you're not, I like at this point, I, I have a relationship to where like, Where I've worked my butt off so much to where I can call my family whenever I want. I can make time to see them whenever I want. Mm -hmm. But it was one point where I couldn't even pick up the phone to answer for my friends because I was an assistant. I just, it was no time for it, you Mm -hmm. know? So I had to have tunnel vision back then. I couldn't get distracted. And, you know, a lot of people's like, you just kind of, you don't you don't mess with me no more. And I'm like, no, it's not that at all. I'm literally mm. working 12 hour days or more. Mm. Um, but it was a part of the journey. I don't regret it. So so what are your
0: plans for the future?
1: My plans for the future is to have some type of ownership mm. to on my, own my own business, whether that's a publishing company, management company. I don't know exactly what that looks like, but I do know that I, I need ownership in something. Mm. And to develop more artists. Mm-hmm. So, writers. I love working with songwriters and producers. What do you
0: like? What do you love about working with artists? I mean with writers
1: and producers. They're the people the music business isn't ran without them. Mm. And people kind of disregard them a lot. Mm. Without the <laughs> songwriters, there is no music business. Mm-hmm. Like, what What are we talking about?
0: Right, without no music. Without no without music, music what are we talking about? Yeah.
1: And a lot of times people think it's the artist. There are a lot of artists that make music. But at the very fundamental piece of this, there are songwriters who are coming up with genius material out of just nothing. hmm so I love to be close to that I love putting sessions together mm. putting producers with songwriters I mm. love putting producers with artists mm. you know I love being the person that you know my, my friends call on me at labels or managers will call on me and say hey you got any tracks mm. you know like I, I kind of get off on that because I'm a part of the creative process <laughs> yeah, you know like well,
0: I, I can see how that can yeah, yeah. because it's, it's, it kind of goes back with the shrewd thing it's mm-hmm. kind of like and that's with me, you know, the, the, the whole process of actually being up there with the tape tents and putting those out and putting up the posters and right. the light poles and putting You're those out. You're part of the process. And when artists come in town, we're going around the town with them, going right. to the clubs and the radio. Right. That part of it, I just enjoy doing because yeah. I felt like I was a part of exactly this process of, you know, you all are hearing these people on the radio, but you don't know what goes on behind the scenes. For sure. It's kind of the same thing as far as being, uh, you know, a a stylist or a barber for TV and film. You don't know all the different components of the people that are working together to be able to provide for these artists or these actors, whatever, to be on camera. And all you see is the actors, but it's a whole behind-the-scenes thing going on with the set and just... The whole whole, machine. Yeah. And so that part of it, for me, you know, is kind of like one of those things where it it, it gets me feeling good to be a part of that, you know That's one thing, you know, as far as with, like, creating music, you know, it's just... You know, picking from some space in, in my mind that can probably, you know, come to fruition in this world where people would be like, that's crazy. You know what I mean? Um, so tell me this how can people reach out to you if they wanted to? You know what I mean? How can they, you know, contact you, your info? You know, what, what, what is your IG? My IG is Brandra.
1: Knows? So just at B R A N D R A Brandra, like Sandra. Or you can reach out to me. My email address is brandr.ringo at Okay. And
0: is there any type of music you're looking for for people that are out there listening?
1: It's just great material. dope, dope shit. Yeah. I mean, I never want to like be specific um, with creators like that. You know, you don't want per- a person to tailor your needs because as a creator, I want to know what you are first. Yeah. So no shit. Just be yourself on no shit. Yeah.
0: Brander, I appreciate you. Of I course. thank you and, and and you know for being able to lounge with me. You know yeah, what I'm saying? For sure. I mean, this has been a long time coming. We were <laughs> trying to link up for a long time and it finally came to it fruition. Happened. So I'm very appreciative. Same here. And much respect to you and thank, thank you. you. Um and for those out there who are listening, you can reach me at Lounge at Lounge with Skip Podcast in the DM. You can hit me up. And um, until next time, I'll talk with you.
1: Peace.